Hello again, and welcome to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where I do a little ranting, raving, and wand waving. Today we are talking about hexing rapists and why I don't really think that that is bad. <laughs> and I've also got a new segment called Silver Screen Spellcraft, where we talk about witchy movies. And of course, a new sketchy herb and magic rock just in time for the summer solstice, which is today. Woohoo! So hello, everybody. It is now the month of June, and when you listen to this, it will be the 20th, or the summer solstice, otherwise known as Litha or Midsummer. Uh, It's the longest day of the year. So we have the most amount of sun on the summer solstice that we will throughout the entire year. After the solstice, the days will start to get a little bit shorter and the nights get a little bit longer. It's the first day of summer and uh, we're, we're moving towards fall. So, which means, you know, Halloween's only a few months away. Woo-hoo. Really pumped about that. So today on this summer solstice, which is actually like a few days from now, but today you also have a full moon. And a full moon on the summer solstice hasn't happened in something like 70 years, and it'll probably be that long until it happens again. So today you should be able to see the sun and the moon in the sky at the same time, as long as it's not too cloudy. I'm so excited about it. I think it's going to be really, really cool. I have plans with a friend and we're going to bonfire it up a little bit and we carved some candles. So unless you've been living under a rock, (laughs) uh, earlier this month, you probably heard about the mass hexing of convicted rapist Brock Turner. Brock Turner was convicted of sexually assaulting a woman who was completely unconscious behind a dumpster at Stanford University. And he was convicted, like unanimously decided he was like a totally shitty person. And he was convicted on three accounts of felony sexual assault. And he was given six months in prison plus probation Um, all because the judge did not want to ruin his life. (sighs) This understandably upset a lot of people. And one witch in particular, Melanie Hexen, who has the coolest last name I've ever heard in my life, organized this this online event to hex Brock Turner. Hex hex Brock Turner the rapist. I read about this the, the day of in the wild hunt which is a a pagan publication that you guys should check out and i read about it and i was like wow that is so cool and i was ready to share the article and wish them good luck because her cursing and hexing is just not something i've ever really done um this was the first time i've ever done it like an official (laughs) for lack of a better term like curse or hex um i kind of find that generally to just be a little bit too much work i'd kind of rather just you know, cut cords and, and move on from a shitty situation. I haven't always been like that, but I, I try to curb my, my natural impulse to like Facebook stalk someone really hard. So I, I'd rather just, just cut it all out, not focus on it too hard, you know, get angry, vent and move on. So I was just, I was just going to share it and say, you know, this is really cool. Let me know if anyone participates. And then out of curiosity, I checked out the actual Facebook event page that, that Ms. Hegson had set up. And what I saw was all of these people sharing that they were also survivors of sex abuse and commending the people who were doing the hexing on, on a job well done. Essentially, they were saying, you know, I, I'm a victim and I find this super, super empowering. Thank you so much. 
this lets me know that people care about me. This lets people know, this lets me know that people believe me. They believe what I went through. They believe that this is hard. A few people were even saying, you know, I'm not a witch, but I want to get in on this. Does anyone know where I can get black candles in this city? A few people were saying like, I've got a bunch of black candles I will share. It became this really empowering group um, full of many people who were survivors of sexual assault themselves. And I, I, I was reading this and I was thinking, wow, this is, this is taking on a whole new meaning that I never gave to cursing or hexing. So as many of you know, I, I came into witchiness by way of Wicca. And in, in, inside Wicca, you have um, the threefold rule, which is like, you know, not always super useful. But not everyone follows that. That is, that is a Wiccan-specific thing. Um, and the idea of, of do no harm. So I, I just never really got into the cursing or the hexing, even after I stopped being a Wiccan. I was just like, you know, I don't really need that. But seeing all of this, I, I started to see the cursing and hexing not as a negative action that you're putting out there, but as I, I didn't really see it any as any different as me venting my totally real anger at a situation. I mean, everybody felt angry about that. Everybody who wasn't related to the, the stupid rapist, like everybody was angry about that. And for people who have survived sexual assault, sex abuse, rape, that anger, that anger was in large part about the actual survivor of the Stanford case. It was directed at Brock Turner, but some of it was also for themselves. Some of it was also for themselves, for the justice they didn't get, for the justice they know they will never get. Um, angry about injustice, about a system that almost condones rape and certainly does not punish adequately when when people are rapists. Since this happened, there have been other reports of people getting away with rape and sexual assault and getting six months or less in jail and probation and they just lose their job. The punishment just doesn't fit the crime. And so I saw these people that were right, rightfully angry about a situation and it was bringing up their own feelings of, of anger and helplessness. And they saw this curse or this hex as a way to not only f connect with other people who believe them and will offer them support, but to clear out some of their own anger, their own pain, their own hurt and direct it towards something positive, towards towards getting this guy to to understand exactly what he did. That's when I decided to participate. Now, I don't I don't need to rehash everything. Um, I was actually interviewed by two different publications, so the Daily Dot and Flare magazine, which is a Canadian magazine, about the hexing. And I've got to say that is the wildest thing that's ever happened to me. I cannot believe someone wanted to interview me about like hexing a rapist. That's by far the coolest thing I will ever do in my whole life, ever. I'm super excited. So I, I talked about it a little bit in there, um, but since then there's been, there's been a lot of backlash about from like you know witches and famous Wiccan and pagan authors and and just a lot of people. Now some people were cool. Some people were saying things like you know I'm not really into cursing or hexing, so I'm going to get myself a white candle instead of a black candle, and I'm going to send healing and support to the survivor. 
which I think is just as effective. Honestly, I still think that that is an action you are taking for this person and, and for yourself. And I think that that is just as good. And then other people were saying, this is so wrong. Uh, you, you, real witches don't do this. And I just think that's absurd. In fact, Raymond Buckland, who is a, a fairly famous author who is, is Wiccan. Um, he's Wiccan, though not all of his books are Wiccan, I guess. He made a very angry post on Facebook about um, all these people calling themselves witches when they're not real witches. You know, witches observe the threefold law and we would never do this. This is bad publicity. The threefold law, by the way, <laughs> was first like written out and put forth by Raymond Buckland. So you sound kind of shitty there, Uncle Bucky. Um, but mostly I, I don't like the judgment. Um, I, I feel like judging people for, for doing any sort of cursing or, or defensive offensive type magic is just as shitty as people who um, make fun of what they call fluffy bunny witches. So I don't like when people talk trash at uh, witches who work with angels or try to focus solely on light or positivity. Um, I don't like when people who are too about positivity use positivity to put down people with mental illness because that happens to me a lot. But I think however you practice is up to you. And as long as it feels right for you, as long as it's fulfilling, as long as you're using your energy and you feel good and magical about it, I mean, what's the problem? So in the same way that I think it's wrong to make fun of these these witches who, who tend to stick with something more light or positive, or they follow the threefold law, or they work with angels, something like that. Um, while I think that talking trash about that is wrong, I feel like it's the same way for cursing and hexing. Since doing this, it's not like I'm just, you know, throwing out curses and hexes left and right. I'm just not. But next time I, I feel, next time I feel like I wish there's something that I could do about this other than screaming into the void, you know, whatever. I might not jump so quick to the, oh, curses are bad conclusion. When I carved out that candle, when I lit that candle, um, when I when I followed Miss Hexen's spell, um, and I followed it almost to the letter, except I, I carved my candle with uh, coffin nails. I, I have a Hecate oil, I have a, a Hecate incense that I had made, so I use those. Um, when I did that, uh, I felt really good after. I released a lot of my own anger about a sexual assault that, that happened to me in, um, gosh, 2009, so long ago. Something I never really talked to anybody about, um, mostly because when I tried, they were shitty about it. But that's another story for another time. Um, so yes, uh, what I want you to take away from this is, um, the idea that Hexing is not always a negative action towards somebody else. Sometimes it is a very cleansing and clearing action for the person doing the hex. Not every problem can be faced with insane positivity. Sometimes you need to get angry. That's healthy. Sometimes you need to get angry. You need to defend yourself. You need to do something to let that out in a healthy and constructive way. And that's exactly how I saw the hex and how I felt afterwards. 
So if you don't do hexing or cursing yourself, that is totally okay. It is 100% up to you. Um, Just like anything else in this world, you have to accept that there are consequences and, you know, positive actions that come out of any sort of action you do. There There are positive and negative reactions to everything. And you have to remember that with any spell that you do. And I I think as long as you have, um, I feel like as long as you think every spell you do through properly, you will never come up against a brick wall. You know, look inside yourself. If you think I could totally curse this or this person or this situation away, is that what you really need right now? Are you just angry? Because honestly punch some holes in the wall you'll fix you'll fix it you'll fix it it's pretty easy putty's cheap but otherwise i mean go for it grab a black candle grab a dorothy morrison book and find out how to hex or curse somebody it's it's really up to you and you are the one that will have to answer for it and that's what being an adult and a witch is is all about it's about being empowered and taking responsibility for yourself so that's how I feel about that. And I'm very disappointed in, in Raymond Buckland and, and any other famous witches or non-famous witches out there who took this opportunity to judge other people and other people's magic and to make outrageous claims like witches don't curse or hex. Like, I mean, get out. That sanitization of witchcraft in like modern times is so lame and boring like it's just so boring of course I want people to think I'm a big badass witch like I wear a ton of black and like I I file my nails to kind of a point and I wear pentacles like I don't do that so that they think I would never curse anybody it's just you know it's I like my witchcraft to be just a little bit rock and roll just a little bit rock and roll And uh, that's what I like. So straight up, fuck you if you don't like it. (laughs) Fuck you if you don't like it. Okay, so those are my thoughts on on the curse and the hex situation. Um, I hope that didn't really offend anybody. But if it did, I, I feel like that's more of a you problem than a me problem. Okay, so let's let's talk about our our new thing. So silver screen spellcraft. This is almost going to function sort of like a book review, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to review the magic and the spells used in a witchy movie. Last month marked the 20th anniversary of The Craft, which came out in 1996. And The Craft is an iconic teen witchcraft (laughs) film. It's just, it's honestly amazing. And I was watching it on the, the anniversary and I was blown away by by how kind of legit the craft is. I mean, you've got you've got real lessons about witchcraft in there. And of course, you've got movie magic. Of course you do. But I was blown away by by how kind of legit the the magic was in the craft and the craft, especially a lot of the tools they use and the stuff they have on their altars and and all of that is stuff that I've actually bought and sold in my jobs working in metaphysical stores. So I was like, that's that's kind of bizarre how realistic that is considering, you know, the deity's not real and anything. So I was a little blown away. And then I realized that a lot of my favorite witchy movies totally have some magic in it that's a little bit legit. Now, it's all sensationalized, of course, 
but the bare bones of it are still pretty cool. So I came up with this the silver screen spellcraft idea. So what I did was I rewatched the craft again because I watch it like literally once a month. It's brutal. And I, I picked out a few of the main spells that people notice and uh, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about how you can kind of do them in real life or, or what kind of spell they are. So let's start with the... Um, the spell that starts most of the magical drama in, in the film, which is Sarah's love spell against very sexy but creepy uh, Skeet Ulrich or Ulrich. Uh, he was also in Scream. <laughs> so at one point you see the girls sitting around an altar and they're all doing spells and they're just kind of throwing them out. They're not doing anything really intense except for drinking blood, which I, I never got into. Never got into the drinking other people's blood thing. It's just not my style. Uh, but that's what they were doing. And she throws out this spell and all she says is, I drink of my sisters and I ask for the ability to love myself more and be loved more by others. Which is not bad. That should have been a really, you know, good little love spell. Unfortunately, she made a big mistake by throwing out a picture of uh, this character named Chris Hooker. Um, sorry, I'm a 12 year old and I laughed at it. Um, she throw out a picture of, of Chris Hooker and she says, especially Chris. Now, this guy was already the world's biggest asshole. And he becomes more and more obsessed with Sarah and less and less in control of his actions. And this culminates in him attempting to rape Sarah. Now, let's be clear, that guy was already a piece of shit. He was the world's biggest piece of shit. And him becoming a rapist didn't seem like it was too far from reality. I mean, that that seemed like a natural progression for this asshole. So the spell didn't make him act totally out of character, but it made him act very extreme in his character. It, It brought out the extremes and made him a lot less able to hold himself back, hold back his impulses. I mean, I still shed no tears at all when he he does like a face plant off of a roof later in the movie. I just I just didn't feel sad. But this does open the question of ethics within love spells and addresses exactly what Sarah did wrong, which was take away his consent. She first removed his consent. And that's what you always want to avoid and love spells. I mean, it's like the magical equivalent of spiking somebody's drink to to get in their pants. That's bad. That makes you a rapist. That's shitty. She never gave this asshole a choice. Uh, This is the main reason I never really advocate love spells. Now, like I said, the first part of her love spell was good. Uh, She talked about clearing up some of her own personal blockages about love spells, which I really like. So saying something like, um, what did she say here? She said... I ask for the ability to love myself more and be loved more by others. That is a perfectly acceptable love spell all on its own. And that is a mantra you can just even say to yourself if you want to do a love spell. Um, Basically, you just want to you just want to not name any names in love spells, because when when you make it really specific about a specific person, you're taking away that person's choice, that person's agency. Um, It's really better to deal with the root problem of why you're single or not finding the love that you want. You know, it could be something as, as, you know, realistic as you work too much or you work stupid hours and you have no money. Um, Are you afraid of other people? (laughs) Are you afraid of whichever sex or gender you are attracted to? Uh, 
And is this because of trauma or hurt? Do you have trust issues? You got to work your shit out. So deal with those problems that are causing you to stay single and not, you know, don't magically spike somebody's drink. And that starts off a big problem with the whole movie. Do you guys like what I'm doing with this now? I hope you do. So the next spell is straight up my favorite in the movie because it's all about cursing a stupid, stupid racist. So this horrible, horrible person is Laura. Laura is a really gross racist and she likes to torment Rochelle, who is the only person of color in the entire film, which is outrageous because they live in California. I mean, you don't even have any like Latino people. I just don't understand. So, so Laura is a horrible racist and she says a bunch of horrible racist stuff. And Laura's about to get what's coming to her. So, which I liked. So, um, the bullying is really shown. You see the hair of the two girls and Laura's got classic mean girl hair, which is like, you know, kind of bleach blonde and straight and like really like flowy in the wind type situation. Um, and Rochelle has really nice natural curls, like nice big hair. It was such beautiful hair for the nineties. And Laura is constantly teasing Rochelle about her hair because she's racist and, and doesn't like black people. So what happens is Sarah plucks a bunch of hair right out of Laura Lizzie's scalp, like just rips it right out as she walking by, which is so cool. And then she braids that hair into Rochelle's hair. So Rochelle will have a little braid in the back and it's braided up with some of Laura Lizzie's shitty blonde hair. Um, and Rochelle asks, what's going to happen? And Sarah responds with, well, if she doesn't, if she leaves you alone, nothing will happen. Awesome. <laughs> so this kind of spell is known as sympathetic magic or imitative magic. Um, it's a type of magic uh, based on imitation so things like poppets or voodoo dolls are sympathetic magic because they represent a specific person. Candle magic using figure candles or even just that Brock Turner spell where I, I carved his name into the candle. This, this is still sympathetic magic. You are using um, an item or a depiction of the person that you are trying to focus your magic on. That's sympathetic magic. So that's what this is. Um, the hair is the focus in this spell. Now, Laura's a piece of shit, of course, and she's not going to stop being racist. So her hair starts to fall out and it just keeps falling out and falling out and falling out. It looks so gross. And by the end of the movie, she's wearing this horrific looking wig that makes her look like she's back in the Brady Bunch because that girl was definitely in the Brady Bunch. Um, and it's, it's bright blonde. She's also apologizing to Rochelle and being a little bit more quiet. And I feel like you were supposed to think that Rochelle went a bit too far. Uh, I don't though. I, I have no tolerance for racism. That's just, that's just trash and that needs to be stamped out. I'm not saying curse everybody, I guess, but, um, that's really up to you. This is most definitely a curse. And if you've decided to curse somebody, like I said earlier, just make sure you do it right. <laughs> These people did it right. They obviously did it right. You want to collect something personal to the person. A photo works, but I, I kind of like something that they actually touched or created. That's why the hair was such a great idea. Um, and it's best if it relates specifically to the conflict, which is why they use the hair. 
from there, you can put it inside a doll with things like herbs, stones, and oils for banishing, uh, clearing out negativity. It can be healing. It can be anything. Um, if you really want them to go away, you can also pour in some black salt or some hot foot powder in there. Um, you can put coffin nails through the photo to make them dead to you. You can carve out their name and some sigils and a black candle uh, and burn the candle on top of a photo of them. And uh, whatever you do with any of these curses after it's done, you want to dump it straight into the trash. Straight into the trash, never look back. Uh, in the movie, the problem was is that uh, Rochelle looked back a little bit and felt some regret. With curses, you just gotta you just gotta make right with the idea. Make right with the idea. Like I said, that's my favorite one in the whole movie because I, I think it did the most good. <laughs> um, so once uh, Nancy, played by Feruza Bulk, gets out of control, Sarah tries to do this other spell on her to try to put her in her place or make her stop. She cuts out a photo of Nancy and she wraps the photo in white ribbon and chants, I bind you, Nancy, from doing harm harm against other people and harm against yourself she does this over and over naturally this backfires because movie magic uh but this is a real spell this is totally a real spell um this is something you would have seen in a silver raven wolf book back in the 90s so binding is a lot like a protection spell but instead of giving yourself a protective shield or barrier you're you're affecting someone else's actions you're essentially blocking them um you could honestly do your binding just like the one in the movie, though I would use black ribbon and probably bury it in the ground after. Um, the issue that Sarah did here is that, yet again, the good girl in the movie is taking away the consent and agency of a human being. She's a shitty human being and Nancy is a total sociopath, but she's still a human being. This is also a curse. And you got to be okay with it. Now, other ways to do it is uh, some fun stuff. You can take the photo and you can sew their lips shut to keep them from talking shit. Uh, you, uh, one that I, I see a lot on the internet and that I really like is you put the photo in like a freezer bag. You fill it with water and then you throw it into the freezer. And this is supposed to freeze them, freeze their actions, like make them stop whatever it is that they're doing. I think that one's a little bit cool, but you got to keep this big block in your freezer. And if anyone ever like, you know, just to chip it out for a drink, I feel like it wouldn't, wouldn't taste so nice. It might have some, you know, magical after flavor. I'm not sure. Okay, so... Our final spell in Silver Screen Spell Graft here um, is the big spell in the movie, obviously. They are invoking the spirit. And this is the spell that takes place on the beach and shit gets wild. Um, fun fact, they, they had a Wiccan consultant uh, on this film, which is why some of the stuff seemed so legit. They had a Wiccan consultant and she made up the deity, so... Menon or whatever is not real. He's not a real deity. Uh, she made it up so so as not to offend anybody. Um, but the the rituals and the spells and stuff are adapted from real Wiccan spells. She's a, she's a Wiccan high priestess, and she, so she adapted a lot of the rituals and spells that she uses within her coven for the movie, and and made them a little bit more sensationalized and fun and not so real, so that it, they, she doesn't offend anybody. During this scene on the beach. Not only did she initiate uh, Feruza Balk into Wicca, I guess, which is super cool, um, 
But a lot of weird stuff happened. So they had a colony of bats fly through. This crazy storm picked up. The water came up really fast and washed out their spell. Um, lots of lightning was hitting all over the place. Uh, electronics were failing, stuff like that. They actually raised up some pretty legitimate energy, which is cool. So this spell was called Invoking the Spirit. The idea was that the this little coven here would call up their, their fake deity to enter into their sacred space and grant them magical gifts. And afterwards, Nancy actually says, I can feel you in me. And that makes me think that they, they were legitimately trying to call him down to like inhabit her body, I guess. Um, this works, but Nancy is already a sociopath, as I mentioned earlier, and it makes her snap and she gets kind of evil and mean. So this ritual is based on a very real Wiccan or pagan ritual called drawing down the moon. And this is a big ritual. Like it's a big one. You can find copies of a, a drawing down the moon ritual anywhere. So Scott Cunningham and, and Raymond Buckland, if you're not mad at him, both have um, both have some uh, have a drawing down the moon ceremony in their books. You can find it. Uh, just about anywhere. And if you are in a coven or you're Wiccan, this might be something you've actually done. So within drawing down the moon, the coven's high priestess, usually, sometimes it's, you know, it's just anybody if your coven doesn't really do the whole like hierarchy situation. But someone will go into a trance on the night of the full moon and communicate with the goddess through the moon. Um, they'll encourage the goddess to come into their body and even speak through her. So some people do this... Um, they're channeling. Um, and this is usually done with the supervision of an entire coven because you're, you're kind of entering an altered state of consciousness, which is not very safe to do alone. Um, you could do it alone, I guess, but I, I never have. I've never felt the I've never felt the need. So the ritual begins by creating the sacred space. And uh, in the movie, you see them calling the corners and the elements there. Um, you have your altar set up. There's a lot of speaking. A lot of people will use the Charge of the Goddess, written by Doreen Valianti here, um, and speak directly to the goddess or moon. Uh, from there, you have the person who's actually drawing down the moon get into a trance-like state, either through meditation or chanting or, I'm sure, mind-altering substance sometimes. Uh, you know, that's your bag. The coven members can ask questions um, of the spirit or the goddess that's been taking, taken into this woman's body. They can re record any wisdom or messages that are passed on uh, afterwards, you know, lay on the ground and eat. Cakes and ale are a Wiccan thing, but straight up, no one hates cakes and ale. I feel like you should do it every time. And that'll really help that person ground after. Like I said, you, you can find that uh, that ritual just about anywhere and drawing down the moon as like a term is is incredibly popular in pagan circles it's used as the name of, of books and everything so those are a few of the spells in the craft and how you can like actually use them in, in real life like i said this movie is pretty fun in that they had a real pagan on set um one of the actors actually converted to paganism within the time frame of the film and on one of the famous sets of the film uh, and a lot of their stuff came from real metaphysical stores. Fruza Balk also actually bought the metaphysical store they, they visit within the movie. So this movie, I think, was a good, fun place to start. If you like this segment, for the love of God, please tell me. 
don't say practical magic. It's obviously already on my list, but I wrote a blog post about it in really fun detail where I used lots of very colorful language and you can find it on the blog at thefatfeministwitch.com. Uh, and if there's a witchy movie or TV show or something, if there's specific spells in it that you want to learn a little bit more about, just just let me know. There's a little form at the bottom of the entry on this. And uh, please tell me, give me some new ideas. Practical magic is already on the list. It's already on the list. Don't worry. Okay. So we've talked about hexing rapists. We've talked about, you know, killing somebody with magic and like, you know, gosh, there's lots of cursing in this episode. That's all right. Now it's time for Sketchy Herbs and Magic Rocks. Our Sketchy Herb and Magic Rock this time is centered around the summer solstice, since that will be the day it will be when you guys listen to this. <laughs> um, so for our Sketchy Herb, we are going to be talking about bay leaves. And yes, I absolutely mean the bay leaves that you maybe have up in your kitchen cupboard. This is stuff you can get at grocery stores or anywhere. Bay leaves are also known as laurel leaves. And I honestly get asked all the time, what the hell are laurel leaves? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's bay leaves. It's the stuff you have in your kitchen. You put it in chili. It's great. And bay leaves are totally delicious. You should cope with them more. But laurel um, is something that's recognizable to a lot of people in ancient Rome and ancient Greece. They wore crowns of laurel leaves on their head. And this is something many people recognize from Caesar, you know, images of Caesar. He had the laurel leaf crown. Sometimes it was like, you know, gold encrusted. It was beautiful. Bay leaves are an amazing herb that you can use for a lot of things in magic. Just just a ton of stuff, honestly. Um, so bay leaves are sacred to the sun god Apollo of, of ancient Greece. This is why they're, they're used a lot during the solstice time. Uh, the ancient priestesses of Apollo actually used to chew on bay leaves to try to induce a prophetic state. Uh, they inhaled their fumes through incense and they were used as decoration in the temple. So bay leaves have a million uses. They're, they're used for protection, uh, to increase your psychic abilities, for healing, for purification. They're used in, in magic for, um, you know, the psychic stuff. One way I really like to use bay leaves is uh, by writing on them and, and burning them almost like a, like a magic piece of paper. So you can write your sigils and stuff on them. They're also used in money and prosperity spells. Not always, but they are. And one of the ways that people use them, especially in the money and prosperity, is they will put bay leaves in their wallet to try to attract money. That's kind of like an old folk magic thing. If you put bay leaves below your pillow, uh, it can help induce prophetic dreams. So they're really good in, in dream pillows and stuff like that. Um, it's an awesome protection and purification herb. So it's really good in any sort of uh, smoke cleansing or incense. Um, you can hang it around your house or wear it as an amulet to ward off negativity and evil. Uh, a sprig of bay is a lot of times actually used to sprinkle water around um, water or any sort of like any sort of like potion type stuff during a lot of different rituals especially with any sort of greek or hellenic ritual they will use an actual like fresh sprig of bay to kind of consecrate the space or different people with with a holy type water like a moon water or something like that um if you mix it up with sandalwood and sandalwood we're going to talk about one time because it's just the activator for everything it's a magical activator but when you mix the bay leaves with sandalwood uh this is a really good incense to remove curses and evil spells so if you feel like you've been cursed you can kind of remove it that way um 
what else? What else? Like I said, I like to write on them. I like to write sigils and stuff on them. I love to put them in mojo bags. I really like to put them in dream pillows. You can do just about anything with them. They smell amazing and you can get them anywhere. Absolutely anywhere, which is really, really great. Um, I love witchy stuff that you can get anywhere. So that is bay leaves. That is your sketchy herb and it's great for the solstice. So um, solstice night which is, I guess, tonight for you guys. Um, solstice night, if you want to um, burn some incense over your fire, if you mix up some bay leaves and some sage, uh, maybe some chamomile, some other kind of warm, fiery stuff like that, and just kind of throw it in the fire, that would be a really nice, fiery, smoky smell. It'd be beautiful. So bay leaves slash laurel leaves. Uh, your magic rock for this time is sunstone. And I think it's fairly obvious why I chose sunstone. Sunstone is such a cool stone it, and it looks different all the time. So some of the tumbled sunstone I've seen is completely different from some of the other suns, uh, tumbled sunstone I've seen. Some is jewelry quality while some is more like pocket stone quality. But this is like you know, the full radiance and fiery energy of the sun concentrated in, in one really nice stone. Um, it's a stone of leadership. So personal power, freedom, expanded consciousness, that kind of stuff. It brings openness and warmth, some strength and mental clarity. Um, it's very joyful. It's a very happy, happy stone, uh, just like the sun, right? It's It brings that energy of the sun. So lots of happiness, lots of nurturing, feelings it and it provides a sense of abundance you know without the sun there would be nothing growing at anywhere so you can use sunstone in abundance magic so that you have things coming in it's also really good for sexy stuff so <laughs> and and i'm sorry that i'm not super good at sounding sexy but sunstone is really really good for sexy stuff now sunstone is good for things like um vitality and passion and a little bit of heat it, it's kind of like the um the carnelian in that way so that's how you would use that in in your sexy stuff so you can combine it with uh sex or lust spells i really like to keep a piece just like cranked in the bra just crank it in the bra just just put it right in there i have one that that is almost like it's like a little half moon shape fits in there really well so i like having sunstone in the bra um, especially when I need some like confidence and vitality, like if I'm, um, if I'm doing a presentation or a workshop or a class, or I've got a lot of stuff to do that day, or I really need to be, I really need to project strength and, and joy and a general sense of knowing exactly what the hell I'm doing, which <laughs> doesn't come natural. Sunstone is something that I will carry with me great for the summer solstice and if you combine it with really pretty stuff like goldstone and carnelian and fire agate you've got all these awesome fiery um, hot kind of sexy stones that all come together and since it's the full moon and the solstice I think that is a super fun way to combine some rocks so magic herb bay leaves or laurel leaves if you prefer uh, and your magic rock is sunstone. I really hope you guys um, 
I really hope you guys find some good use out of that. If you ever want to let me know how you use your sketchy herbs or your magic rocks, or if you want me to cover a specific herb or rock, you can always email me or Facebook message me or what have you. Although this week I will be, uh, my Etsy shop is set to vacation mode because next weekend, June 24th, I will be at Four Winds Festival in Ridgetown, Ontario, and I'll be there for the full three days. I'm teaching two workshops, one about uh, feline familiar. So it's all about witchy cats and, and how cats got associated with witches and how you can attract a familiar and work with a familiar and all of that stuff. And I've got these fun little cat collars to give everybody. They're so cute. And then I'm also going to be um, kind of leading like a discussion or a talk on ethics within paganism. And now that I've got a whole bunch of new stuff about curses. I feel like that'll be a fun thing that I'll be able to to fold into that. So for the next week, I'm going to be slightly unavailable because I will be focusing on that. But in the next couple weeks, I've got some really exciting stuff coming up. I'm going to be having an author interview very soon, which oh my God, you don't even know how excited I am about that. Um, I'm probably going to be interviewing the people at Four Winds Fest and, and asking them about putting together a pagan festival and what that's like. So people who liked um, my business of being pagan, episode because you're interested in working as like combining your your paganism or your witchcraft into your career life this could be a good one for you to check out you know if you ever want to want to plan a festival or something like that that's cool if you have found my podcast today via podbean because i am one of the featured podcasts on the podbean website today well then hello and thank you so much to podbean for featuring me i'm so excited about that but I would like to thank my executive producers, Kay Crystal and Mystical May Moon. Both have uh, contributed to my crowdfunding campaign and as such have become executive producers of the show. If you'd like to check out Mystical May Moon, they are linked on my website, thefatfeministwitch.com. And that's all I've got for you today. So I hope you all have an amazing summer solstice. I hope you all watch the craft and see how absolutely cheesy and amazing it is, especially the wardrobe. Once Nancy kind of sells her soul, shit gets tight. It looks real good. So of course you can find a blog post about silver screens, bellcraft, and the craft on my website at thefatfeministwitch.com. You can also find me on Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest. I especially love Instagram. Just search the Fat Feminist Witch and I will show up there somewhere. I'm always lurking. I hope you, all, you guys all have a, a really amazing solstice evening and really enjoy that full moon out there tonight. Bye, everybody.